A brand new episode of Class Clown coming right at you right now. My name is Chino Liao. Thank you for joining me on this very special episode all about the Halloween. Now, whenever I think of Halloween, I think of two things, you guys. I think of costumes and candy. Costumes, because I'm a fan of the movies, and candy, because I am fat. But today, we're talking about costumes, especially coming from a very talented costume and props expert. Today on the pod, I am talking to Miss Carrie Dawn Conejero. Carrie Dawn is a friend from back in my radio days. That is why I sound so modulated, so plastic. <laughs> this is what you're supposed to sound like, I think. I don't know. I wasn't a very good radio person. But I did walk away with some friends. And she was one of those friends. She has now made her way to the very top of the prop game and the movie production side of things. She is actually the leading prosthetics, props, special effects expert in the country. The head honcho of Tawang Lipod Creative, the co company, the production house behind small art house fair, you know, movies like Goyong of Batang General and Block Z. Oh my God, we've never heard of these movies before. Right? I'm kidding. We've all heard of Goyong. It's only the biggest, second biggest rather, <laughs> Filipino movie ever made. So I'm glad that I was able to exploit more friends for this podcast that five people listen to. But hey, if you are one of the five people on this episode, thank you. Thank you for indulging me. Thank you for always tuning in on a weekly basis. So without further ado, let's jump into my episode with Carrie Dawn Conejero and special comedy guest, Andren Bernardo. Why is Andren here? Because I needed a monster. It's the Halloween episode. That's why he is here. Anyway, let's jump right in to all this production, cosmetic, prosthetic talk only on Class Cloud. We have our guest prosthetic makeup person and all-around cat lady. Let's welcome <laughs> to the show, Carrie Dawn Conejeros. <laughs> Hi, Carrie Dawn. Hi, Chino. I miss you. How I are you? I miss you. Thank you for saying yes. Even though, <laughs> Thank you for inviting me. Even though I know you're still mad at me for messing up your last name. so uh, <laughs> <laughs> You didn't even mention it. Nobody heard that. It's fine. It's I'll be fine. going to uh, my First name anyway, you know, Cher, Madonna, Carrie Dawn. It'll, yes. it'll happen. Okay, we'll stick with that. That's your screen name. No <laughs> last name. Yeah, no, just uh, helps keep the stalkers away too. So. Yes, perfect. You have a lot of those. Hey, speaking of stalkers, let's welcome our 
guest comic on this episode. He is also a horror fan and one of the hosts of Nagmamarunong on Spotify. Let's welcome Mr. Andren Bernardo on the podcast. Hello, Andren. Hi. So hi, creepy hi. on Andren. Bagay pala. Bagay, no? Shy guy, yeah. stalker. Yeah, same thing. Same thing. Yes. It's all the words that can describe Andren. Yeah. Right. Shy so, guy is a, a shy guy is an insult that didn't try back. You know, I don't want somebody who's loving everybody. A shy guy is the kind of guy who could only be mine. Yes. Right? <laughs> yes. Hell yeah, dude. A little bit of 90s music references ah. coming your way from Carrie Dodd. Hey, so Carrie Dodd is on this episode because she has a very, very special set of skills. Um, not unlike Liam Neeson. She is actually a very talented makeup artist and prosthetics artist with Taong Lipod. Is that the name of your group? Taong your... Lipod. Yes. Yes. The, there we go. Taong Lipod Creative Studio. There we go. And they've worked on a lot of TV and feature film projects, right? That's correct. Most right. of the... Um, Big deal stuff. A lot of that ends up getting run through our company in one way or the other. We actually do um, production design, prop fabrication, set building. But the more Instagram-worthy stuff is definitely the makeup and prosthetics. Right, right. You guys do pretty intense things, really. It's not just your your run-of-the-mill monster makeup. You guys do... Very hardcore prop stuff. Yeah. Yeah, we we we've replicated Spanish dungeons. We've um, rebuilt Philippine eagles, and upcoming soon we'll be doing an animatronic replica of an inspired twenty-two foot crocodile, like Lolo. Wow! <laughs> wow! That's hardcore. <laughs> Wait, uh, yes. twenty-two foot crocodile Lola. Lolong. 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 Lolo. Lolo. Okay, okay. Lolong, yung pinatay na crocodile. Hindi mo kilala si Lolong. He's no, like no, legendary. Right. He's like a dinosaur. Like yeah. legit. But he's dead now, unfortunately. Okay, okay. And okay. okay. people killed him. That's why. So, <laughs> they, he's like, <laughs> we, we oh, listen to you bragging back. about what you're doing. You're bragging about what you're doing, but I'm going to diminish it by not knowing what you're talking about. Yeah, like, he's <laughs> acting all boy. It makes the stalking easier. Yeah, unsuspecting. Yeah. Yes. So, okay. Now, I've, I've known you for quite some time, even before all this makeup stuff. So, how did you get into it? How did you start uh, dabbling in the world of visual effects? Um, well, back in my former life, I was actually um, the on-tour makeup artist of okay. the band Red, Ju- Red Jumpsuit Apparatus. Yes. And, and we did a few music videos where they needed a few effects. Um, and then at the same time, the whole zombie walk started getting really trendy. So I was dabbling in that. But um, in my start here in the Philippines, I actually came here for fashion design, I'm actually. And also an internationally award-winning shoe designer. Um, uh, but 
know each other because I ended up auditioning for Magic. Like That's the first right. year I moved to the Philippines and because I didn't know anybody and I was really passionate about local music scene and I figured, hey, what a good way to like kind of get in and around. So um, eventually um, from fashion school, I ended up doing some fashion shows, meeting other like FA people from UP who were doing fabrications and big Victoria's Secret runway wing kind of style things and little by little i just found myself on a movie set one day <laughs> mm, okay wow okay that's it's not that big a jump though right from makeup to fashion um was I mean, it a hard jump to make i don't think so i think it was just a matter of i wanted to do I pursued fashion and the shoe industry like because of like the uniqueness of what the Philippines had to offer as far as like Marikina because anybody who really wanted to do fashion could have gone to New York or to LA but in the end of it they would just be like okay draw whatever you want to draw and then we'll go find you a manufacturer in China and I just found that kind of like ridiculous when there was such a core of Marikina you know so right. I really wanted to pursue that the makeup thing it's just I've always been an artist, so it's just a different canvas. You know, it's like it's people's right. faces as opposed to cardboard boxes. And as opposed to people's feet. <laughs> yeah, people's yeah. Feet. Well, yeah. I mean, it's just a matter of building. And, and I've transposed what I learned in fashion into, like, costume making and to um, sculpting into building. And it's, it's all actually strangely intertwined. Right, because you're one of the few people that I know that actually gets really into Halloween. You know, if I'm not mistaken, you know, I'm not mistaken. Like I've seen some of your Halloween costumes, and they're pretty intensely detailed. Right, so is that inspired by your work, or is it just something you do for fun? I mean, I've always been a little witchy, so there is that natural inclination to the dark side of. Existence and you know, like I was like 12 years old, goth girl, and black fingernails, and Marilyn Manson t shirts, and eventually you kind of grow out of that. Um, but Halloween is just one of those like homage days to the purity of the darkness of my soul. So, of course, (laughs) you're just letting your true self out, that's what's happening, (laughs) and it doesn't help that it's like professionally obligatory you know it's like i'm lined up doing all of these celebrity makeups you know they're booking me and my company for all of their like competitive you know million bajillion instagram followers and then people are like where's your halloween costume so i have to kind of you know hold my own reputation accountable and i'm lucky because i actually have a group of friends like that are also really into Halloween. So we run right. deep. Like we always do group costumes. We're like nine of us. And, you know, one year we went as like um, the nurses from Silent Hill. And so just imagine like a yes, bunch I remember of seeing that picture. Yes. <laughs> and we went, you know, and we went out and we we're all dancing all freaky like zombies and being totally weird. And it's totally freeing without having to be like, I'm cute. I'm a sexy cat. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, um, like, like we already have a hundred sexy cats. But the Halloween. next year, I was a sexy cat. But, 
<laughs> but it's because our theme was like Disney villains. Right. And I was scarred. Have you, have you seen so, like some pictures of like sexy Hollywood, like sexy hand sanitizers? Like for <laughs> people dressing up as sexy hand sanitizers. For yeah, hand but that's serious, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I think I saw some of them. Yeah. I've so, seen uh, like really cute combinations, but in my opinion, sanitation in itself is sexy and so is mask wearing and hand washing so that's my public exactly <laughs> exactly so does it suck to be spending halloween indoors this year or are you going well, to be dressing up on your own i really you know i'm always literally so busy on halloween i actually have bookings already for these other people's interpretations of Halloween. You know, right. like, I guess some celebrities are doing like an online party and um, they're still booking me for makeups. So, I mean, I'll probably wow. just be like in my front yard dancing naked with my cats, really. But, you know. <laughs> so just like a regular day for you. Just like a regular Tuesday. I mean, right. <laughs> <laughs> when she said she was dressing up as the nurses from Silent Hill. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty cool. Like, what, what Silent Hill? The first one? What is it? Isn't it like we're there in like two with the nurses? That was the one that they oh, yeah, kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my mistake. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, sorry. Like, make me like bust out my gamer side too. Oh gosh. <laughs> Okay, is a gamer also. So it's I more also used to manage a video game store in a previous life. So oh, good. <laughs> wow, you I have you have worn a lot of hats. I'm old. You know, yeah. that's what happens when you're like three hundred years old. I think it's just <laughs> it happens. <laughs> <laughs> Self deprecation has its place on this podcast. So um now that we've dove into a, li a little bit about your history as a makeup artist and as an all-around creative, I should mm. say, um, is is transitioning into the world of special effects makeup, of prosthetics and prop making, a difficult skill to pick up? Like, is it something that was that came easy to you, being that you've already done so many other things? For me, it actually definitely came quite easy for me just because of you know my natural innate artistic abilities but right. um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. but uh, <laughs> adapting to the industry itself was very difficult um, that's a special thing for very special people a lot of people out there do a lot of special effects makeup like for the gram and right. they're really talented but they spend like six, seven hours doing makeup on themselves. If you were in a real world professional onset scenario, that would never fly, you know? Right. So you have to be able to manage a team, manage a schedule, understand requirements, communicate. That stuff is the hard part. And that is probably where I struggled, but also where I ended up flourishing after I kind of, got the hang of it i mean in the beginning i was just panicked i the first tv series i got was literally the first tv series or any professional like on camera work i'd ever done but 
they didn't know that. I was like, fake it till you make it. But every single <laughs> day, I was panicking. I was really, really nervous um, because they're like, okay, in this episode, this is going to happen. And then I'd like run home and talk to my partner and be like, how the hell do I do this? And I'd like just like rummage through like anything that we had. I was like, okay, I guess this will work. And I would just fake it. Like that's literally what I did. I don't advise it, you know, but I am one of those people that doesn't think that anything is impossible. So that's not so much of, you know, a hindrance for me. And, And clearly eight years later, I'm not faking it anymore. I'm right. like 11. <laughs> so. Right, eight years. Wow, see, it's been that long since you've gotten into the industry. Yes, yes. Eight so, whole years. That's wild. <laughs> that's, that is wild. So what was the hardest thing to learn? What, what skill set was the most difficult in this whole journey? Like, was there a process that you had a hard time wrapping your head around? Or did it just, you know, because you're so talented, it just all come <laughs> so easily to you? Um, the hardest part is building a team and a company and, in, like, removing all of my greatness and infusing it into, like, the flesh machine of another person and right. understanding what they're capable of. Because, sure, I could do something, but in order to be able to fill a time bubble, you know, like, I have to work on the face and one person has to work on the arm and the right. other person has to be on the toes. And it's a, it's a whole big thing. And I, you know, you have, to, you have to manage that. But um, one of the hardest things adapting really was like the hours, the no sleep, the crazy, right. head, you know, um, people's attitudes, the artistas attitudes, mm-hmm. the, the egos, that's something I have a terrible time with. Um, but I've learned to match it with like my own ego. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm also really protective of my work. I take right. things. I don't know if it's, it's maybe half and half a good thing where everything that I do, I take it very personally. Nothing for me is just a job. Each makeup is like, you know, I'm birthing a new creation to the universe and I take it very seriously. So when people try to rush me, I'm like, nope, that's not what we agreed on, <laughs> you know. And, and when people are like, no, just do it like however, you know, so it's faster because we're not really going to show it. And I'm like, you're a liar because I know that you will. And it happened so many times. And I'm like, this is my reputation. So that's one thing that I just kind of take like the reins off of and, and, and have to kind of control my bubble. I, it sucks being like somewhere in the middle of the totem pole, you know, like I'm not the director, I'm not the executive producer. I'm not, you know, the money bag. I'm not the artista who wants, no, make it look more whatever, you know, but in my little, cubby hole of the universe in my little like cubicle you know like i am like the queen but then you still have to like negotiate with the other nations of the you know project so it's like a it's a diplomacy almost right <laughs> working with with yeah diplomacy now i know i've been on sets before so i need a diplomacy in the sense that everybody gets along of course not 
but like diplomacy mm-hmm. in the sense that you have to work with different departments to get things done right right it's like i've got a nuke and you've got a nuke so which one of us is going to press it you know exactly like, do we know where we're going and it ain't pretty so let's figure something yeah like that's definitely i mean perhaps i don't know if it's necessarily unique to the movie industry because every type of job and teamwork does have that dynamic but at the end of the day a lot of people don't really have something like a final product you know they're not people are like working in the finance industry and they're like yeah i closed this client and something but it's not something that you can just like go show your stock portfolio around and people say like, wow, you know? So because at the end of the day, there's a movie or a show that there's a story that people have an experience with. I think that adds a little bit more pressure because people see it and then it really affects them. And so it's like, you're showing a part of yourself and you can't help. Well, I can't help personally, but feel like that's, a part of me that's up on the big screen affecting people. Right. So, yeah, because it's like in, in your own little way, something of yours is still ending up on the final product. Right? It's like, yeah, oh, I it's made like, this person look like they didn't have a head or this people yeah, have like, wings because of me. As much as it's like, you know, the actor's movie, they're the star. As much as it's right. the movie that they're the director as much as it's the writer's movie like that part of my responsibility whether I'm you know building a whole set or a whole universe or a whole costume or a whole time period or just a mustache you know if I put right. a mustache on somebody's face and it's fake you better not know it's fake and that's my job and if I mess up then people are like oh that mustache is fake that looks weird and then you know it a looks like a Pringles mustache. You know, yeah. you, know, you know that mustache the Pringles guy has? Bent that bent. Some people are okay with it. Some people are okay with that. I am not. You know, I've had directors be like, do it this way. And I'm like, you have bad taste. <laughs> and, then I get, and then I get in trouble. But uh, yeah. that's, that's how you know that Carrie's good at her job. Because she talks back. Like when you talk, you're really not, like, and she's also saying the negative aspects of her work. You know that she's been through shit then. So you yeah. know that she, she's yeah. that damn good because she can afford to say what she wants. You know what oh, I'm saying? Man. I cannot tell you the amount of like satisfaction that I finally like received where I went from the point of being like desperate for jobs and saying you know what I mean it's just like yeah sure two days that's fine I'll do it whatever but now I'm like what you want me to do that and how no I need a month's notice I'm sorry I'm booked oh I'm sorry you know I have a Netflix project I'm sorry I have an HBO series oh I'm sorry you know like I'm like (laughs) you didn't think you know, far enough in advance to book me, sorry. You know, like I get to kind of throw that out there, but it also at the same time, while it sounds extremely arrogant, it's actually a nice comfort bubble to be like respected and like, you know, we're in demand. You get what you pay for. 
if you want us you make time for it and people do you know and i have like really great loyal directors and teams who you know like i don't want to do this movie if she's not the one working on it you know i don't trust anybody else i've built that with my argumentative things and my now developed over this decade of expertise and so i mean like it's great to see that like actually be a real thing like i've, I've built my little empire <laughs> yeah plus when you started out it was very much a baptism by fire right? it was like you just jumping into the deep end and just Ooh. learning i guess the first movie set I ever was on, okay. like, was directed by Chito Ronyo. Wow. And he is, like, legendary yes. dragon, right? And so right. I was just, like, a baby art director, and I was just, like, ah, and he does the yelling, and he's, like, <laughs> you know, were you born yesterday? You know, <laughs> really abrasive you know, sense. Hey, I made the healing. Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it is intense. But then by the end of the movie, they'd be like, how many minutes? How many minutes? And I'm like, well, I don't know, like half an hour. And then like Chito Ronio would like stroll in and he's all like, what are you doing? What's taking so long? And I was like, oh, I'm making these like lattices that are going to go on the wall to make all this texture. And he was like, Oh, okay. And he's like, give them the time they need, you know? And I was just like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, when, you're, when you're doing something and everybody's like, that's not important. That's not important. Hurry up. We need to do other stuff. But then I'm like, this is important to me because it's beautiful. And then like, you know, Chitoronio comes in and it's just like, you know, you're scared shitless because you don't know what he's going to say. And then he's like, yeah. And you're like, ah. <sighs> Yes, that's it. That's pretty <laughs> impressive considering he's one of the harder people to win over with all of his, his reputation. Absolutely. And I think that his style also kind of rubbed off on me. Like, I thought everybody was like that in the industry. And then turns out other people are much nicer and more amicable, <laughs> and you can actually kind of negotiate. And then other people are like not very visually strong. And then Right. And they're I'll be like, Derek, what do you want to do for this thing? And they're like, Iko. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> wow. That's card blanche right there. It's- yeah. He looks like the dad who scolded you for taking fine arts. Like, you know. he, looks, he looks really scary. It's a cheater on you. Is that why you were snickering, Andrew? Is that what you thought of? Dude, he looks scary as fuck, dude. I don't know. No, that's right. He gets so stern, you know, like, and he does, and he's tall, you know, like, I think he's like 6'1. Yeah, he's pretty tall. I was, I I saw him at the Cinemalaya, and I was shocked at at how tall he was, actually. Yeah, he's very tall. He has this kind of like sway, this like kind of godfather sway about him. Right. But he's so really funny and, and nobody, I don't think a lot of people actually catch his jokes. And so I would be like, not at the main table, you know, but like sitting behind people and I'd hear all the big bosses and he'd say something like really sarcastic and they'd be like, no, Derek. And then he'd just be like, hmm. like he would just 
no, he's like, God, you can just see him, his face is like, idiots. You know, like, he's like, <laughs> scar too, he's like, imbeciles, you know, like, right. I'm surrounded by idiots, you know, like, I, I felt like, <laughs> I was like, you are surrounded by idiots, but I'm not an idiot, I don't show you, you know, and eventually, one time, I got a high five from him, and I was like, yes. Nice. Nice. Okay. So we've talked about your many, many, many projects. I'm sure if you IMDB her, uh, so in terms of prop making and special effects, is is it something that's very genre specific? Like, have you ever worked on a movie that you wouldn't expect that needed certain requirements from you? Hmm. I mean, like, sometimes a little bit like, surprised. Go sorry, ahead. go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, what's in your mind? Tell me. I no, because you were. You know, I was trying to help you along by saying like it's an unexpected thing to have in this sort of movie, or like a comedy with a zombie in it, or something to that extent. Um, I don't really think that there's been like something I found specifically unusual uh, i mean beyond like say like questioning somebody's tastes like there's or or how important something is to them like there was one that said and one of the actors was you know had a fit was really angry and he like kicked a piece of metal and then stubbed his toe and then actually bruised his toe. And then it was part of the story that they actually showed that his toe was like bruised and infected. So I wow. got called to the set to like basically paint this guy's big toe. <laughs> you know? Wow. So, so I'm sitting there, I'm like, um, okay, you know, my polish pusser, you know, you want, you want spa, you want a little paraffin? Like I'm just sitting there. <laughs> like putting like blood and little weird effects on his toe and they're like yeah and i'm like holding a like, nothing else i just got called onto the set to paint one person's one big toe. toe like one toe and i'm like that must be really important but like oh well what do i care you know like, yeah. the job isn't job. that kind of like isn't that kind of like easy money like okay <laughs> like, yeah. Paint- oh, hell yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, cool. Like, this is only for like basically one sequence where he just takes off his sock and shows the toe. Like, awesome. Like, I don't have to be on set for 24 hours. Thank you. But, you know, I was like, I was surprised that someone was like, yes, we need to call Carrie Dawn so she can bloody up this toe and make it look really painful. It's important. I was like, okay, if you say so, that's cool. You know, <laughs> I don't know if I've done anything that really, I don't think I've done anything that like truly surprised me. Some things in stories are very interesting. Like, oh, you want us to do what? Oh, oh, okay, we'll do that. But nothing that, I don't think anything was like particularly um, like shocking. Right. I mean, I did have one experience though, um, when I worked on um, Goyo, Batang yeah. General, um, right? Only so the I'd... number one movie ever in the Philippines. <laughs> you know, it's like this small kind of like indie. Small thing, indie right? art house project, you know. It's just like this like art house thing. It's just yeah. like a little like. Just a little, little thing. 
<laughs> it's just like a seven month project no big deal right. um <laughs> but it came on there like because um for the mustaches because for all the period accurate right stuff right and and that was very very important to them i was like okay cool i'm gonna do some mustaches but um i had worked with the director gerald darug on his movie bliss and he was really pleased with the work and once he found out that i was confirmed on board we started going through the script and then he was like yep give him a mustache give him a mustache give him a gold tooth give him like a cleft palate give him like buck teeth give him a mustache give this guy a scar you know and i was like whoa like you know i didn't think that you know it would be so intensive of a project but for the fact that he had the confidence that i could pull off these little subtleties and what they're doing you know he just was like yep more and more everybody give begin on the jacket you know like <laughs> Give him something, give this one freckles, like put this on some, you know, like just, he's like, and then I want to head, you know, chop off somebody's head. And then I want you to stab this guy with bamboo. And then I want this guy to get shot in the back of the head and his face blows up, you know, like it got to be like more than I expected that it would be. But that was just from, you know, the, the ability and the, you know, the direction of the director, you know, that, that was really cool. That was unexpected. I thought I was going to just be there, like, doing a couple mustaches, but no, turned into more. <laughs> <laughs> All right, from that incredible anecdote, let's jump right into a break and allow me to tell you more about the amazing shows on Podcast Network Asia. Before we get back into the thick of things, let me first tell you about all the amazing shows on Podcast Network Asia. The only show you really need to know about comes to us from one of the top comedians on the planet and the number one comedian in the country, Mr. Alex Calleja. If you are looking for laughs, mischief, and great conversation. Punchline with Alex Calleja is right up your alley. Join Alex and his guests in candid and comedic conversations in the podcast that talks about everything. Joy, sadness, important things, and nonsense. But at the end of the day, it's always jam-packed with laughs because there is always a punchline. Now, back to more goodness only here on Class Clap. All right, back on the show with Carrie Dawn and Andre, who has a question for our guest. Andre. Mm -hmm. uh, um, Ma'am Carrie, you, you made the makeup for Goya, diba? Right? Yes. The, the special effects for that movie. And uh, it's. Mm. I was kind of shocked when I watched that. Cause spoiler, uh, spoiler, guys. Uh, Goya dies. <laughs> what, Andre? How dare you, man? I thought it was gonna be a. I thought it was gonna be a new take. That big lamb macaron is gonna jet back. No, wait, wait, seriously. Um, I watched that movie, and as as the final moments of Goyo, it was leading up, and I thought when he was gonna get shot, it was just gonna go black and white. It's just gonna fade to black, right? I wasn't mm. expecting it to be that violent. 
Did you do the makeup for that, dude? Yes, yes, I did. Dude, that was so good. Like, I, I have to praise you, dude. That was so shocking that when was, I watched that. That was oh, one of, that yeah. was actually a very difficult um, makeup because, I mean, imagine saying you have to, he gets shot in the back of the head and the bullet blasts through his teeth and shreds nice. his face open. Yeah. So, I had to make special dental prosthetics that like look like his teeth were shattered that like I think that was a five piece makeup that went like into layers and it was actually very complicated but when we did the look test um the director was just that since he knew that the makeup was that epic he was like nope we're shooting it, we're gonna give it, you know? And that's why I'm so happy to work on that project because nothing that I did was like wasted. You know, like he was like, like, I'm your fan, he's my fan. I'm like, I'm your fan as a director. He's like, I'm your fan as a makeup artist. I'm gonna make sure that this thing that you created here is gonna hit, give you that really visceral um, type of sensation. Like if you remember also um, in the beginning, when they were torturing some of the people, like right. a lot of that was also really brutal. And I was happy to be able to do it in a realistic way that, you know, didn't, you know, shatter the, the reality of that little, that little world. So that makeup, I was, I was thrilled. That makeup really makes me happy. And it makes it really happy that you remembered it. <laughs> like, Oh my god! I didn't even know that you were behind one of the more memorable, one of the more important things on the on the movie. The, this is, that the, that scene sticks out in your in your brain, and I didn't know that you or had a bigger had one of the biggest roles in putting that scene together. So wow! I mean, like, imagine if that makeup sucked, right? You know? Like, imagine it was corny and, like, looked like some of those, like, 80s, like, Bollywood action film, you know, weird prosthetic effects that they do. You know, like, it would just tear down the quality of the entire film. So if you think about Goyo and just the largeness, like, the high caliber of the actors, the scenery, the cinematography, everything has to be at that really high level and... That's what I just get. I totally get tickled to be able to be like responsible for holding up that end of the storytelling. Right. So when you were on the set of a movie that large in scale and in production size, did you guys have a harder time doing things or was it easier because you had more access to resources? Um. It was difficult in terms of the types of locations that we were shooting because we were shooting like on mountains where we had to ride ATVs up right. a mountain. Like it was like a 30 minute drive up a mountain. And then you're up there for like a whole day and then you have to ride back down in the night and it's scary and sometimes it's raining. Um, but as far as the support that I got from the production, and their organization, it was a beautiful 
project to work on because it was so thoroughly planned out. The assistant directors, we would have the meetings and we was like, okay, we need to do this. He was like, how long do you need for that? And I was like, I need two hours. He's like, okay, I'm going to give you three. And I'm like, thank you. And then, you know, it's, <laughs> you know, it's easy. Or, or sometimes we'll do a look test and then, um, like at the end, spoiler, um, you know, it reveals uh, Kesson and he's also already aged. I aged the actor. And when we were doing the look test, I wasn't happy with how it was going. And they were scheduled to uh, shoot that early on. And it's like, how's it going? And I was like, it's, I need more time. And they were like, okay. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Thank you. That's <laughs> respect after- your way. That's, that's like a lot yes. of respect it's- for your skill. It's amazing because you go through the industry and people will say, no, we really need this tomorrow. And whatever you come up with, that's going to be it. So it's like you can feel like your whole reputation is on the line. And you can feel like people, you know, if you fail at something, it feels terrible because it's it's also cemented in like visual history that you did something bad. And it's like, you're only as good as your worst makeup or the last thing that popped up. And, and that's it. like, for me, it's an incredible pressure because I also know that sometimes, you know, like the de- directors, they'll look at it and they're like, mm, okay, can we change the lighting? Let's make it a little darker or stand this way. So it's not really like as prominent. And that's, it's embarrassing, like, frankly. You want to create something that can be right up there front and center. And when you don't get to do that, it sucks. So right. it's either you don't sleep the night before and become like a total zombie and slave away at your craft just to deliver something halfway decent. And that happens to be, like, the normal. And they, the industry can expect uh, that from you. And it's, and it's abusive, frankly. Right. But... Um, to have that be met with, I need more time. And they'll say, okay, you feel like, oh my God, where am I? I'm spoiled. I'm a, I'm a princess. <laughs> you know, like, thank you, Jesus. You know, like, what have I done? And it, and it changes things. It makes things feel a whole lot worth it. And then you're willing to go above and beyond for the people who give you that respect. Nice. Like as an art director, that the art department in any on any set, I feel like is one of the more abused departments, right? With oh. all the with all the retouching that they have to do and all the back to once mm-hmm. that they have to do whenever they have to reshoot scenes. So I mean, for you, I think the people in the art dep get the gets the most shit because everyone yeah. shoots them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Art dep. Oh, the abuse. Oh, yeah. So the fact that she gets that in, in her own little way, when she it comes to makeup and stuff, it's incredible. It's yeah, incredible. It's, even as like doing art directing stuff or PD work, like I've not to like name drop another giant project or anything, but um Ignacio de Loyola. Right. Okay. Right. If you're like an Atenista, you've been forced to watch it and it shows like all the time. But we shot that in Spain. Right. Like truly in Spain. And I was essentially like, I'm like, oh, I'm art director. But like I was totally like cargadora. 
you know, like I was <laughs> climbing up these stupid castle walls, carrying big giant, you know, fake cannons and trying to make this whole illusion come to life because the Spanish team was like, we don't do that. No, no, no. <laughs> wow. It's, it's not so, so, like, so like, like the Spanish that they are, they make the Filipina do it, right? So that <laughs> yeah, that it works was, out in Spain. It was, it was pretty much it. I was just like, oh, wow. That, that's totally a funny visual, that. like you climbing castle stairs with like two fake cannons in your shoulders. It is a real thing. And it was so funny. Like I remember one of the first days I, working on set with the director it was one of our first locations and we were bringing these big crates like these big barrels and i had to you had to climb over a fence to like most people were like taking the crates and like passing them to somebody like on the other side of the fence i had this like giant crate in my hand and like literally it was like a two-rung fence so i just stepped into it and like my long legs like stepped onto the top of it and like climbed up like hands free jumped down and was just like i'm on the way to the set and he looked at me he was like who are you <laughs> like, what what kind of she beast have we invited onto our set I don't. She did not call you a she beast. No, oh I mean I, it was like in his face. He's like, "What? You know, like this is some kind of like Amazon like warrior, <laughs> beast, you know, of a woman who's just like throwing around." But like, but for me, I don't have that kind of um, pretension that you know, I don't lift heavy things. I don't like get dirty. Like my job is to have dirty fingernails, you know, to have a terrible manicure, to have my hands stained in blood and my clothes covered in liquid latex. Like as much as like, there's like this makeup and beauty aspect, I end up on like the dirty side. And that's where I like it. Like, I'm not like, I'm not doing brightest. The reason I don't do weddings, you know, like, I'm the Godzilla. I don't want to be dealing with bridezillas. Like, so I take the end of it. And, you know, so it's, it's, I don't ask people to do what I wouldn't do myself as well. So I, I go all out and it's just within my skill set. So it ends responsibility too. Like, I mean, if I'm going to meet my time frames, my schedules, who's going to carry the barrel? I'll do it. You do it. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's your responsibility. And like I said, I take this all shit way too personally for my own good. <laughs> right, but that, I mean, that just has to speak to your work ethic, Devon. Like how, yeah, how you've like, been able to carry yourself all throughout. I'm just a fan of, you know, being abused for like art. But <laughs> <laughs> so are you saying you're just a sadist for her? <laughs> For movies. Also, <laughs> oh, you're saying you're kind of like a stand-up comedian, I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like us. It's like the self-deprecation is just sign me up. Yeah. As long as uh, I get like an award for it at the end of the day, I'm cool. Right. Okay. <laughs> Has there ever been a, a, a request and ask uh, prop that they've asked from you that you weren't able to to figure out how, because you mentioned the part in Goyo where he got shot through the head and and having to make dentures all in a sense, that's pretty difficult, right? So has there been something that exceeded that? 
Um, usually it just exceeds their budgets. Like that's, <laughs> that, that's usually the, the detriment, not, or, or the time frame. I never, I've never turned down anything because it was like outside of my capabilities um, that weren't relative to time constraints or budget restraints. So far, right. anything that I've taken, I've delivered. Right. Not saying that I can do everything, but the things that, I mean, it's sort of helpful that, you know, the industry is sort of in this kind of teenage toddler growth spurt where they're not asking too much because everything is still somehow in me, even if it's the big things. Everybody's tight on budgets. There's, you know, aside from certain things, you don't really see that much freedom to be like yeah we'll just whatever it takes you know you never hear that um so yeah i mean i i love being pushed you know like people are like i want a seven foot demon who has bent legs that bend backwards i'm like can you afford it and they're like maybe (laughs) so so you're you're essentially you're saying that you don't have a limit as to what can be asked from you like if I if I say, oh, I'm a hoity-toity director and I want a 20-foot, six-armed alien with two assholes. Is yes, that like... No, I'm like, do the assholes squirt different colored liquid? Like, does the green come out of one and like fuchsia out the other? You know, like that's, that's the questions I start asking. I'm, I don't really get intimidated by big asks as long as it's you know it there's requirements and and i do think that um i am a bit lucky because i have that sort of um engineering mind where you describe something and i can say well how does this work what is that what are you looking for where are you going to shoot that what is he going to do how fast is he going to run is he going to jump in the water is he going to flip upside down what do you have happen and then that's how i can perceive how difficult of you know an endeavor it's going to be like for example um i have been making the costumes for the the new darna movie that was supposed to come out and um so much of the requirements were based on the stunts that they had already planned like the harnesses that she has to wear like it's a different harness for when she's flying it's a different harness for when she's flipping upside down it's a different harness for when she's you know spinning in a cyclone spiral you know and so each of those costumes had to be able to like fit the different harnesses inside and and hide it so i ended up having to go to like the stunt practice and like watch them rehearse. I'm like, okay, how does this work? How do you do that? You know, and learning things from other departments that will essentially affect mine instead of being like, okay, well, here's a like cute little outfit and bahala kayo butasin mo na lang. That's not really how it works. So yeah. I have that like, you know, analytical aspect and it's always. I think that's the part that I love about it. Like I would right. probably die at a desk job or like right. you know, even something artsy where you're like, I'm a graphic designer, not down in graphic designers. But like, if that's what I was doing pretty much every single time, I, I don't think I would have stuck in this industry that long. Like 
I'm always doing something I've never done before. Like always. Like that's si, uh, si Andrin pala is a graphic designer. The <laughs> joke, lang, joke lang. I'm not, I joke don't lang. know anything about the <laughs> joke. <lang. laughs> I'm just messing with that. Listen, I've done the graphic design stuff and the corporate hmm. stuff. I did like an ad for like these big bus wraps for like right. Like, no, I mean, some other corporation. And it's just like, you know, revisions, 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 and that stuff will drive you crazy. I would not survive doing that, which yeah. is why I don't do that. <laughs> that that agency life is also no joke. But going on to what you said about certain require requirements when it comes to conceptualizing props, that's something I never really actually considered. Uh, when people ask something of you, you're actually ahead of the curve in the sense that you actually know how to ask for what the actor or what the prop will be doing in the scene. But that's that's actually something that not a lot of people consider when it comes to just sticking things onto other things. Well, and that's um, actually to the detriment of, say, some of my would-be competitors. Because right. the direct will say, I need something, something, something. And they'll be like, okay. And then they're like, cool. And then they don't talk about it. And they make something and it's like, yeah, you gave them that, but then you have to like go inside your director's brain and be like, what are you actually planning here, buddy? You know, and you have to kind of dig that out of them. And sometimes they don't actually even know what they want. And that's when you have to also know what's possible and what to suggest and say what factors determine which decision you make, which is easier, which looks cooler, which is cheaper, which is faster. You know, the combination of all three. And um, that that's gotten a lot of people in trouble. Right. And, you know, and I've also picked up a lot of work where people are like, hey, um, you know, they order like a dummy, like a replica of somebody who's supposed to be dead and somebody gives it to them. But like, it just doesn't look quite right, you know? And when they're like, oh, I need a realistic thing. And to that person, like, that's realistic. And then there are the other people are like, no, that's not. We meant like HD realistic. And then what like, does that mean? What does HD? <laughs> HD. Oh, Mary, like, can I ask a question again? <laughs> yeah, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? You want to repeat the question? No, 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 no. question. Um, Carrie, with all your expertise in makeup, you're well known as a business. You are. The best at what you do. Can you make me and Chino look handsome with your powers? <laughs> We'd have to discuss definitions of what's handsome. Like members of the Korean band BTS. Can you make us look like that? You would be surprised with how far I could take it. Hell yeah. But I'm not a plastic surgeon. <laughs> Depends on budget. <laughs> Depends on budget. I need to. I also need like a VFX team. I need. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not just her added. For uh, we, we basically need the equivalent of the budget of Goyo to <laughs> pull that up. Different faces. I mean. I can give you like one of those nice wax noses that those Korean girls wear. Like that cracks me up. Like that is a whole 
different series of talents that they do to make over their faces on a daily basis that I just am baffled by. <laughs> so when it comes to uh, your aesthetic, right? And your aesthetic has always been a little on the edgier side. Does that affect how you produce or process your your makeup requirements or your prop requirements? Or is it totally reliant on how a director sees the thing? I really don't like working with people who have bad taste. And I've right. done it before. And it's happened. Um, and it becomes like a headbutting issue. And then I have to like... You know, and I just kind of have to like resign myself to be like, well, that's what you want. Never mind. I'm not going to be sharing this on my Facebook. You know, but um, when it comes to things that I create, I often try to just do something that isn't generic. Like, I just don't want to do the things that have been done before. I don't think that I have a specific um, style that I put out into my work because everything is always different. Um, it's not like say with fashion or I'm putting out an aesthetic and that's my brand. Um, right. doesn't have a brand. It just has a standard of quality mm. that, we go you know, like if, if the, it has to look real, it has to look as real as possible. It has to be believable. It has to not be questioned. It, have to look like an, if it's an alien doesn't matter if it's a reptile alien or an octopus alien people just have to see an alien and not a person wearing makeup like um when i did the movie block z okay. um so zombie movie but um what i decided to go with was not the typical decrepit zombie thing i really was like you know what i'm gonna go with like the what is it called the trichlo spirals whatever like the phobia with all the holes and stuff and you wow, know like, the phobia with the, all the heebie-jeebies and stuff when right. they look at that that's what i went for because i haven't seen any zombies that look like that i i mean we've seen so many different kinds of zombies we see you know we see the walking dead everybody knows what zombies look like so i just didn't want to do that again so all of my zombies i conceptualized like these stages where first it starts out with just like a couple giant like blackhead things and then the you know bloodshot eyes and then like you know rabid things and then their whole face just starts you know getting absorbed by all these nasty holes that you don't even know like where they're going and a lot of people were really traumatized by that decision of mine and <laughs> like the director, he had he didn't. It was like, oh, okay, that sounds cool, you know. But it it was my idea to do it that way, and right. that's it's only a matter of just doing something that hadn't been done. Right, and I mean, if you traumatized people, I guess you did your job, because right? that's what zombies are supposed to do, in a sense. Hey. Exactly, like you, <laughs> you know, if you can sit there and and it was funny because some of the the talents, like the, the stunt people and the zombies, they're like, I really truly have this fear. Like I this like they would be scared of their own face because that that phobia is so powerful. And I feel, you know, 
really like kind of cool that we ended up making such a huge zombie movie that looked like that. So when other people start copying my zombies, I'd be like, Psh, I did that. That you was did me. that first. You know, <laughs> I did it first. You saw it first, yo, right here. That, that's that's a problem. You can't trade. You can't trademark your makeup. Like the zombies have like the, your logo. That would be great. Yeah. <laughs> right. I know that. Like, they, I actually make them all just look like me. You know, I just put my face. <laughs> Onto uh, website more or something. Oh. <laughs> yeah, actually, like, um, what is it? What is those those weird? I'm showing my age now. The the hash, those little things that you scan that have like codes. The the QR code? codes. Uh, QR. QR. Yeah, okay. like I actually like snuck a QR code into somebody's face, and like, if you pause the scene, no, there's not right. any idea. I'm gonna do it on my next one. <laughs> the next one is but we've done that before actually like sometimes we do like these fantasy tribal makeups and then like we'll like i'll like hide my initials in there somewhere like, <laughs> like make tribal you know I'm like yeah that's that you know little secret stuff easter eggs i love that, that easter yeah. eggs there we go <laughs> oh yeah i mean like tidbits. i've done like a pd work where like they're shooting a, a scene and there's supposed to be like graffiti in the background and and like I'd be having a fight with somebody and I'd be like, you know, Balancy David, you know, being gay, but it just, you know, you throw in those little things. It's just, you know, that's your prerogative. Those are the little joys. Yeah. Simple joys. <laughs> that's, that's your little, your little treats uh, being yeah. so good at what you do. You know, nobody else saw that. Nobody knows what I did. <laughs> right, right. Okay, so now that you mentioned that you've always wanted to sneak in a QR code <laughs> in, a, in a thing, are there any other projects or dream things that you want to work on but have not had the opportunity to do so? Oh, well, I mean, you mean like film-wise or just like in my whole lifespan in general? It, just in general. You can, it can be in general. It can be as a prop maker. It can be as a makeup artist. Oh, well, I've never been able to truly focus on launching my shoe brand. Um, I've only been able to take like private clients, but I... Right never taken it to the level of like ready to wear like wear my shoes i haven't done that yet um so one day i hope that will get to happen and um another thing would probably be like definitely um i'll say this here so i have like social accountability um i want i'm also a writer and I want to eventually direct because I spent half of this podcast complaining about being in the middle of the totem pole. Right. And so, you know, like I definitely want to have my shot at, you know, running the whole show. And then I can actually have some merit to the complaints that I make. You know, right. people, you think you're so good. Why don't you do it? And I'm like, I will. <laughs> so hopefully that'll come to light one of these days. Right. See, Adnan is actually really, for real, is actually also a writer with a local, uh, how do you call it, uh, comedy troupe. That was about Adnan, but that was solid okay. Yeah, Production solid. company. Uh, yeah. 
It's a viral uh, sketch comedy viral thing. Sketch comedy too. Yeah. But I'm I really feeling it well, Nochi, you know. We're doing a great job explaining yeah. your work. <laughs> I was wanting to write a, like a movie. Like parang it's a zombie movie, but it's in the point of view of zombies. Like you get what I'm saying, Chino? Like nothing. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it'll be pretty cool. I don't know. Wasn't that the they had that sort of like when those zombies are still like kind of people inside? What was that one? It was it was sort of a comedy. Huh. And like they, they weren't like scary zombies after Oh the wait, fact. I think I know what you yeah, yeah, I think I know what you're talking it's about. Kind of like it was like almost like a romantic zombie. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Nicholas Holt, you be the right, right. The, the guy from like, uh, the look. X Men. Yeah, but that, I, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So basically, yeah. Sa, so basically, Andre and Sabi carried on. No one quite that way. Your idea. Warm bodies. That's the movie. Warm, Warm bodies. bodies. Yeah. I'll just oh, add yeah. to IMDB it real quick. But thank you, <laughs> Carrie Don, for doing this tonight. Uh, I guess that's it for the episode. Thank you for doing this. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I hope that I haven't scared people away from aspiring to do what I do. I mean, this is the <laughs> Halloween episode, so if if you were to scare somebody off, it would be so appropriate. Okay. <laughs> Good, because I don't need competition. I'm just kidding. Um, I always need new people to join my team, so that's what I mean. Yeah, because... yeah. So if you want to plug your outfit, now is the chance. Yes, please find us on Facebook. It's Tawong Nipod Creative Studio. That's a Bicolano Encanto. T A W O N G dash L I P O D Creative Studio. Perfect. And Andre like, Nico. Sorry, sorry, you weren't done. Sorry, sorry. No, no, I mean just like, like if people wanna join the party, I'm always willing to crack the whip on some new slaves. Like that's right. <laughs> she she does a very good job as a whip crapper. So <laughs> <laughs> Andre Nico, what are you gonna put out there this week? Um what, what is um, happening on the Mamorino? I will. I also have a podcast in Podcast Network Asia. It's called Nagmamarunong. Yo. Can you, um, yeah, watch, uh, listen. I mean, listen, listen to our podcast. Yeah. Carry Don, he does the podcast with Mikey, if you remember Mikey. Andre? Yeah, uh, Andres, yeah. Andres, yes. Yeah. So, so it's him, I Mikey, like and, a, and another dude. And another dude. I like uh, other dudes. You like other dudes, yeah. Is it funny? Like, honestly. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. Adrian, is it funny? Are you guys yeah, funny? It's, it's very self-deprecating, and yeah, it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just three guys with low self-esteem thinking that oh, they can do favorite. a podcast. My yeah. favorite. <laughs> Why do you think she and I are friends? <laughs> People tell me like, oh man, just there's gonna be a bunch of guys with like low self-esteem. Sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the last time that happened, you were upright. So, <laughs> <laughs> what? Man, just sketchy. I've never, I've never denied you, Chino, ever. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> 
All right. I guess that does it for this week's episode of Class Clown. I would like to thank my guest, Carrie Don Gonejeros and Andred Bernardo. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Chino. Thanks thank for you, listening, guys. Uh, let's roll the credits on this one because our episode has concluded. Thank you again to my guests, Carrie Don Gonieros and Andre Bernardo. I hope you guys learned a lot. Like, I was even surprised at a lot of the things I heard from Carrie Don. She has worked on so many films, man, so many movies that it only makes me want to return to the days when I was still very much into making movies. But then I realized I wasn't very good. I was not very good at it. My parents wasted all that money on a short film that nobody will ever see. And that is why now I do podcasts. That's just it. That's just what I do. You spent 11 years in film school only to do a podcast. So I am glad that my life has turned out so well so well but hey if you want to help me out in making my life a little bit better may i implore you guys ask you beg you even to use my lazada referral code every single purchase on lazada through this code helps out my little podcast at no additional charge to you all you have to do is type in the link tinyurl.com slash classclown x lazada. Again, that is tinyurl.com slash classclown x lazada. The description will also contain the link. Just tap to it and every successful checkout will send your boy some love. Also, if you've ever wanted to do your own podcast and have been curious about tracking your podcasts, ranking your listenership, all that good, amazing statistics and data. And may I suggest signing on to Podmetrics. Podmetrics is the super free, super easy way to keep a track of your podcast score. And you can even market it through very special means. All you have to do to sign up is log on to podmetrics.co and use my referral code, ClassClown. Again, that's one word, ClassClown. Oh my God, you guys, I don't know about you, but I am all tired. All the knowledge in my head. A lot of people have always asked me if I ever use the things I learned on this podcast. I really don't. Like, I learned a lot about saving, but I'm still in debt. You know, I learned a lot about gaming, but I still haven't finished stage one on Circus Charlie. But this makeup thing, I might actually put it to good use. I I might actually put it to good use. So until then, we will be back here on this same podcast talking to more people about their fields of expertise and having a good time doing it. Only here on Class Cloud. 